From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming at you from Paris, France. Back over there, stateside in the United States. Uh, Not quite as exotic or as interesting as Paris, but it's there, and we have to acknowledge it. And that's why I'm pleased to welcome uh, the guy who's keeping us all sounding good over there on the ones and twos, the illustrious Chandler Strang. Hello. And also right there in the studio, right next to him, keeping an eye on things to make sure that his <laughs> that the water doesn't overflow the tank and keeping him alive is John David Harris. JD, how you doing? Greetings. Doing well. And up there in Loveland, Virginia, welcome back, Jesse Carey, to the Relevant Podcast. By popular demand, Jesse Carey's back. <laughs> hello, hello. A little under the weather. I apologize, guys. A little under the weather today. Thank you for powering through for us, Jesse. That's You're your welcome. commitment you, to the craft. You are welcome. You're getting a, a medicated and ill version. But I'm here to bring the people what they want, which yeah. is... Honestly, I'm not sure at this point. So, <laughs> no edit, which is a no edit podcast. So, anything that Jesse says, I don't think we can take. We have to take it with a grain of salt yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a great show uh, lined up for you. Coming up ahead, we've got King's Kaleidoscope is joining us to talk about their brand new album, Zeal. Uh, I had a good conversation with King's Kaleidoscope. I'm really interested to bring it to you guys. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I came off of, I, I missed Monday. I was out of the office yesterday. Yeah, even yeah. even a workhorse like me has to take things one step at a time. They, they, I, I've got I've got to know when to, when to run and when to slow down a little bit to a trot so that I can kind of recover a little bit. But when I came back, when I logged back on, I saw something we don't, this isn't, this isn't in slices. This isn't, uh, we, we don't even have the hot list today, but it would be, we'd be remiss to not discuss uh, the the civil war brewing and uh, senior level white evangelicalism right now between two powerhouses, Beth Moore and John MacArthur. <laughs> it's it's really it's 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 a it's a battle for the ages. It's a brawl for all time. And my time, my Christian Twitter timeline, it's the only thing that anybody's talking about. And I only kind of caught the cliff notes of it. Can one of you guys fill me in a little bit on the the? Just the bullet points. So I did a pretty deep dive on this uh, yesterday, writing it up for for relevantmagazine.com. And uh, so the the setup is this weekend, John MacArthur was at an event celebrating John MacArthur. It was. uh, (laughs) This is a John MacArthur party. This was a John MacArthur party uh, and they played a party game. Uh, they was they were celebrating <laughs> his 50 years in ministry and one of the MCs for the John MacArthur party, which there ain't no party like a John MacArthur party <laughs> because a John MacArthur party is reformed and boring. <laughs> and honestly, he's kind of boring. And that's why there's no party like it because no one would want to go. And party might be a bit of a misnomer. A big drag. I, I should say a big, big drag. And, and I, I have no, I have no feelings about John MacArthur one way or the other. I know people who greatly respect his work. Um, sure. I, I, I personally have not really engaged with it, not out of any kind of feelings towards him. It just wasn't sort of, you know, kind of in my, my wheelhouse here, but even it, at ORU, that wasn't like a, a Moody. That was a required, that was found date. You needed two things on day one. You needed the Holy Bible and John MacArthur is systematic theology. My, my era of ORU was more in the raging cage and Jesse Duplantis type of reading. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would literally come into the chapel and just start screaming about money. <laughs> now, I tell you, I tell you, God loves to give me money. He does. He, he just does. That was, that was, he was, he was ORU's. Yeah. Jesse Duplantis was, was ORU's. Uh, Jesse, now God would say to me, Jesse, why don't you buy yourself a big plane? Jesse. Anyway, that was our John MacArthur. So I don't really know too much about John MacArthur's teaching. That sounds like a different deep dive. I will say this. A Jesse, a Jesse Duplantis party 
would honestly probably be a lot of fun. <laughs> I've seen him on, I've seen him pop in sneakers and preachers occasionally because he's like OG. Like he's not streetwear. Like he's head to toe, like Gucci'd out. He's wearing like a Louis Vuitton yeah. leather suit head to toe. He's not a Yeezy type of guy. He's Italian. I, you know, he, his, his, his clothes are, are, are OG luxury. <laughs> well, he walked so the preachers and sneakers guys could run, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's next level. Like you, you think you think shelling out four hundred dollars for a Supreme hoodie <laughs> is baller status? <laughs> the guy has like four jets. He, li- <laughs> he there you go. Jesse Duplantis. Literally, there's a video, and I think we shared it. And this isn't about him, but here we are. He literally has a wall in his office that is pictures of all the planes he's on. It's like a it's like a Jet Hall of Fame. In are his, you serious? It's literally in his office is a Jet Hall of Fame. Just so you can go by and see all the Jets he's on. Anyway, so John MacArthur is at an event celebrating 50 years of ministry by by John MacArthur, as one does. And uh, they decided to open this event or, or during the event play a, a, a hilarious party game, the word association game, where the MC, by the way, who, who's organizing this thing where it's like, <laughs> oh, we'll get John MacArthur and these uh, old theologians will play party games. So the party game, which was being emceed by the hosts of a show called Wretched Radio. You can tell their theological leanings probably from the name of the show. Real, real upbeat show. They got their wretched radio to remind yeah. listeners of just how terrible they are. Um, yeah. It's the total depravity <laughs> hour here on wretched radio. Yeah. <laughs> and now eternal damnation. Question your um, so the party game. And so, so it was Todd Friel, the host of, of, of wretched radio. <laughs> the, it's like uh, the, the, the Z morning zoo for people uh, that like, like to hang out at John MacArthur parties. He decided to play a, a party game in which he would say two words and the people on stage would have to say, would have to do like a word association with them. They would get two words to respond to two words. So like, let's say right now, JD, let's play this game. Pepperoni oh pizza. Um, Ninja Turtles. Tyler. Uh, uh, Tony Hawk. Uh, skateboard okay see this game is fun it's lighthearted. it's lighthearted. so let, let's go ahead and jump into the john macarthur party and see how it went from there and then the three of you need to give a one or a pithy response to the word are you feel ready? like i'm being set up <laughs> that is always the case with todd watch out for him he will try this to is a party you. we're gonna start on this is this is just kind of touching your toes easy easy setup for you let's begin with an easy one the word is beth moore <laughs> that's two words <laughs> liberalist all right dr macarthur beth moore how many words do i get you know Actually, and, and before you answer this, please think carefully this time, because last time you did a one-word association, know, the guy wrote a book a about trouble, it, and we don't want that. I was thinking of the same word. Okay. Go home. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay, okay, All right. Now let it play. Let it play. The party gets okay. even well, crazier. Okay. I see we're Still warmed going. up. <laughs> I dilly-dally. Um... There's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. Period. Paragraph. End of discussion. Whoa. Hold on. Wow. Keep going. Just wait to see how condescending so and bullying. Let me see if I can get huh. a clarification on that. Got one. Phil, anything to add? No. I, the word that comes to my mind is narcissistic. I, I think the first time I saw her, I thought, oh she, my. she is, this is a, going back to the last session of what Mike said. This is what it looks like to preach yourself rather than Christ. All right. And she, in fact, yeah, she I, said that. She said, oh my gosh. read the Bible, and I try to find myself in the narrative. I put myself in the narrative. And that, that is exactly what she does. I heard John MacArthur say, period, paragraph, end of story. <laughs> All right. One more, and then we will get into our video clips. I would just add one thing. Um, oh, please, please do. Just please add one more. Still. <laughs> To sell jewelry on the 
TV sales channel doesn't mean you should be preaching. What on earth? There are people who have certain hawking skills, um, natural abilities to sell. They have energy and personality and all of that. Um, that doesn't qualify you to preach. The context of this so is John MacArthur upsetting. is having the lamest party ever. Uh, with a bunch of people that think bullying is just hilarious, especially bullying someone. He goes on in that clip to criticize the Me Too movement, the Church Two movement. John MacArthur wow. does. Let's let's real quick for people who don't know a lot about Beth Moore. Not only is she an incredible Bible teacher, an incredible preacher, uh, an incredible writer, and a, and a genuinely awesome person, but she is also a advocate for sexual abuse survivors. Her work is out is helping a, a ton of people to helping expose injustice and it's helping women get justice for crimes committed against them by leaders in the church. This is the person that John MacArthur has chosen to publicly bully for no reason to compare her to a TV jewelry salesman. Now, there was a lot of reaction online, but I think. I think from here, it's probably just good to read Beth Moore's, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, a lot of people came to her defense, but I, but I do want to say, I think this is, you know, isn't there a Bible? You, you guys both went to Bible school. What's, mm -hmm. what's the Bible True. verse <laughs> that says something about uh, uh, a clanging gong? If you say all, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. he can yeah, teach yeah, yeah. all, he can teach all the truths he wants, but if he's going to act like a big jerk, then is that, what is that? You're just a clanging gong making noise. And in his yeah. case, he's just being yeah. a big bully. But anyway, here's how Beth Moore responded. She said, I didn't, this is on Twitter. I did not surrender to a calling of man when I was 18 years old. I surrendered to a calling of God. It never occurs to me for a second not to fulfill it. I will follow Jesus and Jesus alone all the way home. And I will see his beautiful face and proclaim worthy is the lamb. Here's the beautiful thing about it. And I mean this with absolute respect. You don't have to let me serve you. That gets to be your choice. Whether or not I serve Jesus is not up to you. Whether I serve you certainly is. One way or the other, I esteem you as my sibling in Christ. That's what taking the high road looks like. Yeah, and that's what real. a oh truly gosh. awesome person mm -hmm. looks like. So yeah. on one side, we see what these old bullies are willing to do and expose their true colors. And on the other side, we get to see Beth Moore, who is such a great example, uh, I think, for so many Christians of how to respond to criticism with, with you know, class in a way that, you know, isn't backing down from recalling. And so, yeah, but it, 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 you know, that kind of blew up Christian internet yesterday and for good reason, because I think it exposes two people, one as a bully and the other as, as someone with a lot of class. Yeah. It's and I, crazy. I think the, Oh, go ahead, JD. Well, I was just saying it's crazy. I mean, even like the early church had these issues and there's an entire chapter in Galatians that's specifically talking about this, where they're arguing over like the letters of the law that they need to follow. And Paul basically points out that uh, they're all now clothed in Christ and they should treat each other as such. And that's where the famous like there's neither slave nor free nor Jew nor Greek nor male mm -hmm. nor female, but all one together in Christ. That's where that comes from. And it's Talk, it's addressing the same, like, for lack of a better term, the same, like, spirit, the same, like, zeitgeist that's present in this John MacArthur clip where they're just sitting there and they're just, like, wanting to lob some, some scripture or some, like, some tradition at someone who's actively pursuing the work of Christ. And it's like, guys, like this is in there. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. mm -hmm. it's, you're supposed to be like, you mm -hmm. wrote a freaking study Bible. He has his own John MacArthur study Bible and there's an entire like chapter of Galatians that's devoted to this exact problem. And it's, and instead they're just going to sit on stage and, and bully her and laugh about it and not, it's one thing to like have theological discussion or debate and say like, I don't necessarily believe that this, that this um, office is available to everyone or whatever, but it's another thing to like it, the, the tone and just the, the the spirit from which it comes from is just so harsh and so negative and it's mean so and bullying it, it, like yeah it's cruel it, it, can you imagine imagine Mary, was it Mary and Martha at the tomb right mm -hmm. Mary, Mary 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 at the Mary. tomb yeah. running back seeing that 
you know, that Christ is no longer dead as he promised after three days after his crucifixion that he has risen from the dead. Can you imagine him running her running back to tell her fellow Christians he is risen? He's risen. And they say, go home. Yeah. Well, you I know? mean, they, if, they if we almost... wanted a jewelry salesman to tell us this, then we would. Then... Uh, right. Like, yeah. yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. She was the first Christian. She was the entirety of the church in the yeah. hours after Jesus's resurrection. And uh, I understand here the the uh, uh, I'm not blind to a little bit of the irony of three guys yelling about this on the yeah. podcast. And, and I don't want to pretend that's not the, the case here. And yeah. I'm aware, too, that the, what. Uh, MacArthur said in that clip very explicitly is the subtext of things that many women in the church have been hearing their whole lives, just not quite as uh, out and out as as brashly as that maybe. And I know that that I've been part of those systems and and uh, it's a lifelong process for a lot of guys to learn how to take themselves out of those systems and to be an advocate for women. But when you hear that um, it really throws into very stark relief how deeply embedded that kind of misogyny is uh, everywhere in culture. But it's especially sad when you see it in the church and especially among someone like MacArthur, who has so much influence and, and power among yeah. uh, a certain brand of evangelicals. So that's just really, really heartbreaking. And yeah. especially for somebody like Beth Moore, who's been really kind to us at relevant. And I know her ministry has been like so powerful and so effective for, for so many people, men and women yeah. uh, for decades now, for decades, it's, it's just absurd to accuse her of not, of being a charlatan. That, that's, that's not mm. the fruit just doesn't speak to that at all. Yeah. Especially at your own celebration party. Like, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. the other moral of the story here is John MacArthur throws the lamest parties. Well, things are good for me. That got a little heavier than I, I wasn't aware. I was not aware uh, dipping into the conversation quite how bad that was. That, that yeah. was really, yeah. uh, I'm, I've been aware of some of MacArthur's uh, rougher edges for a while. I wasn't aware of how uh, of how toxic that, yeah. that got. That's very very heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. and and infuriating. Yeah, but so, uh, but I team Beth over here on, yeah. on on this side of the the conversation. Um, well, that's just the beginning. That's just the first. That's just the first taste of the podcast. We still got a whole. <laughs> that, that was all listed under the under our little like written up breakdown here as banter. So I can't wait to see where the rest of this podcast goes. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, slices. Listening to Weird Ways by Strand of Oaks. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Capacity by Charlie Bliss. Uh, now we're going to get into slices here. But before we do that, uh, Jesse's going to tell you about today's sponsor. Yeah. Today's sponsor is kind of a unique one. And I have been using this product for a couple weeks now because they sent me some. And it's premium CBD oil. And it's delivered right to your doorstep. Now, um, you know, I know kind of navigating the world of CBD is it's kind of complicated and a lot of people, um, you know, don't know where to start. But I'm telling this, I'm being legit. The guys on this podcast, I'll just be forthright with everyone. I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety because of some things happening in my life right now. And honestly, man, I, this is a product that I don't I don't say lightly. It, it, ha- it really has helped. I'm going to read you a little bit about the product itself. It's a, it's a premium CBD that will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Those are, you know, the anxiety and sleeplessness are things I've been dealing with. And like I said, this product has helped. Navigating that world can be complicated. It feels, they feel 
like they should make the process as simple as possible. Uh, they also have a free CBD hotline and tech support help guide to help you through the discovery process as you're figuring out how this product can work for you. Uh, Fields has a hassle-free membership program and is guaranteed to help you feel your best after a month or you get your money back. You save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. And it's shipped directly into the door to your doorstep in just a few days. Feels is the new natural, healthy, better way to feel better. And I would say this too, the packaging is actually really cool. Like it is a cool product that comes <laughs> with a cool little instruction booklet. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash relevant and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash relevant to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash relevant. All right. Thanks, Jesse. And with that, let's get into slices. JD, what'd you bring us? Did uh, did you guys ever do Halloween like as kids? Did you? Not did, really. No. I, are you referring to harvest party <laughs> no like okay, yeah so like what, what did you do did you did you do the harvest party thing at your church we i we did both halloween there were a few harvest parties uh when i was younger but yeah i did i did halloween late, uh later on yeah i dressed up and trick-or-treated when i was a little kid yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did i did both jd i would i would sometimes go to a harvest party that was lamer than a john macarthur celebration of john macarthur <laughs> <laughs> and then i would go trick-or-treating with my friends i did it all I did. Um, for me, it was uh, when I was younger, uh, it was no trick or treating because that's the devil, obviously. Um, uh-huh. And then and then as I got older, I just was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> after I was past the like trick or treating prime kind of thing. So it was kind of strange. But this year, there's a new player in the trick or treating game. And it is our friend over at the Creation Museum. Ken Ham is getting involved in the trick or treating business because he, what? yeah, he has, um, no. instead of candy, just handing out candy, that's kind of boring, right? No one, you well, go from house to house and it's candy, candy, candy. Well, Ken, Ken Ham has a, has a special new thing that you can give out your people and it is a special $1 million dino bucks. From the Creation Museum oh. that looks like a dollar bill with a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex popping his head through the bill. And guess what could be better than a million dino bucks? But a tract about the eternal damnations of hell <laughs> on the back <laughs> of the party. So if you thought like, oh, sweet fun. No, this is Halloween. It's got to be scary. So we're going to talk about eternal damnation. Now, what's great is... So no, can I ask a clarifying question really yes, fast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little yeah. lost. So I get it. So I get it's one of those tracks that like fools you, like the the bait and switch, where you think you're getting money and it ends up being like disappointed. Well, you'd, you'll be more disappointed when you die and go to hell, right? What, right. I've seen those. <laughs> but, but it's the, worse what's though. The, what's the currency translation with <laughs> Dino Bucks yeah. and, but see, wretched, and wretched dollars? Right. So that's the problem. Reminders, that, like, reminders that, like, of just how dollar. crappy you are. Yeah. That, and, then, that, and, then, and then what is it? How many? Do you need to have John MacArthur come and bully you and yell at you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe there's like a whole set that you have to collect or something. But it's what's funny but about this one has a dinosaur skeleton where the where George Washington would be or something. Well, it's even worse because like those the oh. bait and switches are like you know it kind of looks like real money. But uh-huh. then you flip it over and it's not. This one right. doesn't even look like real money. I mean, it sort of looks like real money, but it's like brown and kind of looks like it's carved it out of stone. No, on the subway and or and like the tyrannosaur head that's like on uh-huh. in the place. It's not just like inside the little crest like George Washington. It is it is literally bursting through oh. the paper. So it's like it's like they totally have like mixed together like oh million dollar track jurassic world promotional video <laughs> smash it together <laughs> eternal damnation now what's great is ham claims that the that kids love these is what he says he says kids uh-huh. love getting these and the funny yeah. money is worth far more than a million dollars uh which would make it you know uh at, for 899 
for a set of 200, <laughs> it would be an absolute steal. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's another one that, uh, that's, you know, if your kids aren't really into dinosaurs and, and that whole theme, there's a whole nother theme and, and I haven't seen a picture of it, but it's even better. Um, because for the, some of those kids, maybe your older trick or treaters, they have one that's all about lust and how basically lusting on someone is like committing adultery. So you're going to hell forever. So, um, What's the what's uh, we don't know the image I don't on know that what one the is, image on that one is. Yeah, it's probably a pterodactyl flying through the front of the, looks like. Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> but no, he's he's saying that kids love them, and um, it's a it's a way he's urging people to buy and distribute these and other items that he sells, like booklets about the evils of modern day Halloween. So it's kind of strange. This man has written pamphlets and books and stuff all about how Halloween is evil, but we can redeem it a little bit if you buy things from my store and hand them out instead of candy on Satan's holiday. I'll create an alternative that's not really an alternative and I will monetize it to make money. Exactly. So strange, you know, that's, that's uh, not necessarily a new play from his handbook, but it is uh, (laughs) an interesting one. The the handbook. The handbook. (laughs) (laughs) I was, when I saw the headline, to be honest, I saw, um, creationist Ken Ham uh, wants to threaten kids with eternal hell on Halloween. I was really hoping they were going to turn the entire arc experience into like a giant hell house. And I was oh, just yeah, like, dying oh, to yeah, see that. That would to actually be those. pretty dope. Yeah. Like, that would be, that would rule like, like haunted dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or like you're like trapped outside cool. of the ark while it's like flooding and killing all of humanity or something. I could see, or like you're walking through the ark while you're hearing people like bang on the outside, like let us in or something. I could see that going real dark, real fast and being a crazy experience, but no, no, not that cool. Instead we got dino bucks. We got yeah. dino bucks. Yeah. So there it is. That's my slice. Well, I have a twofer. The first one is about a company that could use a business model that actually works. <laughs> um, maybe they should, maybe they should uh, take a page out of the handbook. Um, this is a company I'm extremely passionate about. And I'm okay. sorry to hear that they're in dire times. The The company is Lime Scooters. <laughs> now, I have you ever ridden one? I, I do like scooters. Listen, the words don't, can't express how much I love riding lime scooters. It doesn't even to be very far. Like I can bomb around downtown all day. I can ride them in my neighborhood. There's literally just city around my neighborhood. Like I love them. They go, I love them too. I think they're a blast. Every time I go on fun. vacation, they're, I, fun. I, I they're try a big to find deal them. in France. Yeah. I was surprised. Like they're big in the U S but in France, just like everywhere you look. Well, well you know, like I huge. mean, listen, 15 miles an hour is pretty fast when you're two inches off the ground. You know? yeah. <laughs> now, now the, the, unfortunately, according to a report that uh, was reported by Gizmodo and the information, Lime is on track to lose $300 million oh, this year. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Uh, in fact, uh, this is, this is from a report in, in Gizmodo. And, and the reason why, uh, is very funny, but I will tell you, uh, let me, <laughs> let me just put this into context. Okay. Uh, uh, while points in, in its favor, included an agreement to bring another lead investor that would, that would slightly pump its $2.4 billion valuation and aggressive overseas expansion. The information has reported that some investors have concluded that the company loses virtually every penny it puts in, uh, and, here, and here's why it loses so much money. And this is a quote from the information report on their their uh, what's happening with their business right now. The loss is because of depreciation of its scooters and how much they cost to run warehouses and repair that repair and position the vehicles with its fleet of 120,000 scooters seeing a life average of just five months. They're losing money because people are riding them like maniacs. And I (laughs) am here for it. I've attempted. You should see the jumps I've attempted. They never like, I think if like if people, if, if people don't, you know, aren't familiar with Lime scooters or haven't done them, they are a lot heavier than you would think. There's a oh, lot yeah. of electronic components. Surprise. In them, you know? And so you would think that at the speed that you're going, that jumping them off even small curbs would be very easy, but it's not. But that doesn't prevent <laughs> me. 
I push every lime I have to the very limits of what is, uh, you know, like it's not safe what I do. Like I'm weaving in and out, <laughs> weaving in and out, banging into stuff. I play bumper cars. I jousted on lime scooters one time. I love them. They're toys and they're too fun not to ride like a maniac and break. Okay. Um, so good. But now it's literally costing them billions people doing things like I do on lime scooters. So like I said, which has include jousting has cost lime billions of dollars so they only have one game plan here they, they and this is what they've conceded they don't they only have one game plan and that game plan isn't to prevent people from doing what you do on a lime scooter which is drive like a freaking maniac and try to take it down a set of stairs even though clearly there's no way that's going to work that's not their plan they can't prevent people from having fun their plan is to create an extra durable model that they'll hopefully release next year that will be unbreakable even by people like me who ride it way too fast and purposely crash it and try to do skids and burnouts. And I tried to drift in one one time in a puddle and I, lay, I laid that bad boy down. But here's the thing. They are coming out with a new model that may be hopefully indestructible and the entirety of their business relies on it because people just love driving them like insane people. Are, so do you guys like indestructible like like shocks or what are we talking about? They haven't released they they, they haven't released okay. like the uh, the specifications, but what they see as an opportunity to fix their business, I see as a challenge. Right. To, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see I want to see just how far the limits of these can push. JD, are you a big lime guy? I liked it. Um, we don't have them. We have, we have the bikes. Yeah, we have the lime bikes. Oh, those are lame. Uh, yeah, those are lame. And they're they're super lame because like who wants to ride a bicycle? When I, have, scooters? I have a bike. I don't have an electronic scooter that goes 15 miles an hour. And dude, I've got it downhill. And I think I had one where the governor was broken off. My record is 18 miles an hour nice. downhill on one. Nice. Yeah. No, they're great. Uh, we have like we don't have really a lot of bike lanes down here and like downtown Orlando is fairly congested already as it is. So like weaving a bike sucks. But like if you could get a little scooter, man, I'd be all about that scooter. That would expand my lunch territory by so much. I know. It'd be and so it's great. Really fun. <laughs> it's really, really fun. And but people like us are ruining their entire business model, uh, not because it shouldn't work on paper, but because they keep having to fix them because <laughs> maniacs are breaking them. All right, that's slice seen number the, one. Uh, have you seen the Instagram page? There's uh, it's called Bird Graveyard. No, Bird, Bird, <laughs> Bird is is uh, is another type of lime scooter. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and it's it's both Bird and lime scooters, but it's basically photos and videos of what people have done to them and uh, the wreckage. So I saw one where this guy, he was, he was just like, he was way too old. Like he was like a hipstery looking young guy, but he wasn't that young. He was clearly like in his thirties and he's surrounded by his friends and he is on a ledge. That's probably two and a half feet off the ground. Okay. He gets down in the low position on the line, like crouched down as low as he can. And there's slow-mo music going. And he, his plan is to jump the line off of the ledge and land and keep riding as his friends cheer him on. Obviously, someone is filming this. So the video goes to slow-mo and he's actually pulled up pretty, pretty high like trying to wheelie style so that he'll land flat. I'm like, dude, he's going to do this because a lot of times people try to jump stuff and the thing just nose dives right away because, uh, sure. because it's, it's so, so top, top heavy. heavy. Yeah. But he yeah. did the jump. He's flying through the air and you're like, Oh my gosh, man, this guy's going to land it as soon as he does. <laughs> as soon as he lands it, the entire handlebar, from this from this where it it, it stems onto the actual uh uh you know platform snaps in half <laughs> leaving him tumbling to the ground and what is can only be presumed as a horrific injury the video stops there but it's people like him that are ruining the business all right uh i have a second i have a two for um and I kind of have a surprising take, I think, about this. I, you oh, guys really? know me. I, I, t- I tend to be, you know, somewhat libertarian in my leanings. And, and I do think that, uh, uh, you know, the establishment clause that prevents uh, the government from interfering in religion, I think, is a very good thing. Uh, you know, but uh, this report comes to us from The Hill. 
that uh, did a piece about a bill that were requiring public schools to, quote, offer elective courses relating to religion, Hebrew scriptures and the Bible to students in grades nine through twelve. Uh, this is what Tyler, I think you wrote up in your in your write up. The that's correct. Yeah, the, yeah. The idea is that the class will just be an objective study of religion, so it's not really pushing the actual faith on the students. Um, uh, the the bill uh, will quote follow all state and federal laws and guidelines, maintaining religious neutrality and accommodating the diverse religious views, traditions, and perspectives of all students in the school. So. You know, this is something that I think because of other positions I've taken on this podcast, people probably assume that I don't that I would be against it. But the more I've thought about it, I actually think that studying religious texts as pieces of literature and as sort of historical artifacts and even anthropologically mm-hmm. like looking at their impact on the modern world, whether it's the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or any other sacred text, I think, I think knowing about those and having a knowledge of what's in them, how they came together, like how did the Bible historically become what it is? The councils. Yeah. I think, you know, even studying it as, as it's for its literary value, because it has been so flu- influential. And like I said, you could say that about other sacred texts too. I think there's real value in that as long as it's paired with other sacred texts so that people mm-hmm. can have just basically an understanding for the context of a lot of the tribalism that we see today when it comes to people's idea about faith. Like I, I feel like the more we understand each what each other's believe our belief systems, how, you know, holy books have influenced culture and ideas. I feel like that's ultimately could be a net positive. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Well, I, I feel like, I think it's a, it's, decent idea in theory like you're you're talking about my only concern would be um it's like people go i mean like like tyler and i did you like go to schools the entire college is devoted Mm -hmm. to like studying these texts and then to plop that on top of all of the work and and preparation that it that a normal teacher already has to do inside the public school setting, I think could be, could be challenging. And then also you're, you know, you're going to bring in um, some sort of, of, of bias as a, as an educator, or maybe not even intentionally biased, but just like your level of understanding. Like, I mean, (laughs) there are many, many, even like pastors that I don't think understand the scriptures um, the way that I, I feel like they've been, they've been written or, 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 you know, from my, from the education, maybe their, their thoughts or views differ. And there's even a lot of like conversation about even what you're talking about, how the scriptures were compiled. There's still arguments over those things. And if there's that stuff going on, that's kind of like that internal dialogue and discussion going on within our own faith. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if who's going to be the person, if you're having to have this at every single school who are the where are we finding those peoples to teach this with the right like poise and the right yeah the right and what kind clarity. of oversight and regulations are going to be involved to make sure that they're actually following the non-establishment yeah. clause yeah. right yeah. right yeah that's which i so i agree with jesse I, I think it's exactly right i think the theory is would be really valuable it'd be really cool if people were if it was public schools could be guaranteed or required to raise kids with a good understanding of world religions, like yeah. the, and, yeah. and give the, and give adherents of that religion and their community a chance to come in and talk about their, you know, the, the Christian faith, the Catholics, Muslims, Jews, uh, in, in every community, assuming that, that they're, <laughs> that they, that you can find some in, in Podunk, Alabama or Florida, where I guess this fellow's from, it would just take an, a lot of regulation for the public school system that a lot of people are very resistant to right mm-hmm. now because people kind of want to have it both ways. They, 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 they don't want a lot of oversight and regulation in the public schools, but they do want more things like this. And I don't know how we do both. Right. Anybody well, can crack that nut then. then well, I remember you be president. There's, yeah. uh, you know, multiple semesters that I spent at school, like, and you'd go through like world religions courses and you kind of like learning it. But of course we were learning it all through the lens of like an evangelical eye of like, how can you take the elements of this 
particular faith and try to spin them over to Christianity and stuff. And I remember like years and years after, after school, like meeting people of those faiths and actually discussing their faith with them and being like, well, I, I understood that this is kind of one of the tenets of your belief. And they'd be like, no, not at all. That's not, yeah, that, that might yeah. be some faction, but like most are are not that way at all. And you're like, oh gosh. And like, I was going to like college to like learn these things. And these people, the people that are actually living out these different faiths are like, no, that's not the, that's, that's not what actually we believe <laughs> remotely. <laughs> Right. When your only exposure to Islam is uh, is your apologetics course in, right. your, in your private Christian high yeah. school, you're not going to be necessarily guaranteed to be getting the, the best intel on what the, yeah, the religion most actually unbiased. teaches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, right. yeah. I mean, I think, look, I mean, obviously there are a lot of things to be kind of concerned about, but also I think. I don't think I think knowledge is a good thing. You know what I mean? As if, long if as yeah, the right yeah, bill. Sure, yeah. 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 I think so. If the right bill was introduced that I, it doesn't sound like this bill and that we're talking about, it was maybe introduced with the most, uh, the yeah. knowledge was like the end game of this one. But I think that the theory you're talking about, Jesse is, uh, is, is super interesting and knowledge yeah. is worth a hundred dino bucks. Yeah. <laughs> a million, a million dino bucks. I, I feel like that there's, um, that I think one of the problems is, is we tried to like secularize world history and try to strip away uh, a lot of the world religion out of like our world history classes and stuff and try to only focus on the social or economical impacts of, of the things. And so you try to strip as much religion out of that to kind of skirt through that and just like, no, we're going to be focused more uh, on the secular, idea of it and the materialistic idea of what what's happening but um to study the like actual history of the world hand in hand with the world religions that were actually major players in those key uh moments and decisions and conflicts and things i think would be would be brilliant i think would really help uh people navigate um you know oh for sure yeah 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 i agree with that well, thanks, guys. That will do it for Slices. When we come back, King's Kaleidoscope is going to join us. Listening to Superbike by Jay Sum. Superbike being the next Lime Scoot replacement coming to you. <laughs> Sounds pretty rad. That's perfect. I bet I can break one. <laughs> coming up, we're going to be talking to King's Kaleidoscope. First, going to tell you that today's interview is brought to you by the Called Podcast. Jesse, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I do, man. I love being a part of kind of the behind the scenes of the Called Podcast. So, for a little context, Called is a podcast that we're doing right now specifically for people in church leadership and ministry. Each week on the show, we try to tackle a different topic that people in ministry deal with, you know, on on a weekly basis. Everything from kind of complicated issues like how to address national tragedies and grief in an effective way, how to navigate politics in the pulpit, but also practical stuff like crafting the art of the sermon. Um, you know, uh, how are the best ways to incorporate worship in the service? We've also had some incredible guests provide us with insights. Everyone, you know, Bianca Oltoff is, is, is a frequent, frequently on the show. We've had Kim Walker Smith. We have a long sit down with NT Wright coming up about what the modern church can learn from the early church. Um, we've had uh, John Mark Comer. We've had a ton of awesome guests. If you are in ministry or you just want to share a resource with your pastor, it's free. It's a podcast. Tell them to check out the Called Podcast. We're really excited about it. And uh, yeah, check it out. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, Jesse. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to talk to our friend King's Kaleidoscope. King's Kaleidoscope, the Seattle-based band, uses an eclectic range of modern woodwind string and brass instruments for a colorful, stylistic harmony. 
that stands greater than the sum of its parts. Chad Gardner leads the collective of friends and all hands stretch the canvas until it sinks. I got to talk to Chad. He gave me a call from his place up in Seattle. And the first thing I wanted to know about this new album, it's called Zeal, was uh, just kind of what was the ethos? What was the message or ideology that he brought into the creation of this album in particular? Here's what he said. This was the first album that was where it was inspired by an overwhelming feel from my community as much as myself. And in the past, I'm really writing a lot about myself and my, a lot of songs I've written, the first two albums are me talking to God and being frustrated or elated or whatever. This was really like, oh man, I'm just tired of the jadedness in my buddies that I love and the pride of that, that is like under mine or like underneath all of this, uh, this bitterness and this questioning and deconstructing stuff. And I feel really apathetic and just bored. And I, I kind of want something that's going to revive me and my buddies. Tyler, you know, what's interesting is I remember talking uh, to Chad, uh, uh, it's been months now, uh, you know, but we were kind of dealing, we, we kind of talked sonically about his music and some of the songs that he was working on for Zeal. But I like how, Tyler, you're going into here, some of these deep, their themes, particularly as it pertains to deconstruction, which I feel like we're in this moment. I feel like, you know, <laughs> they, it's hard to think of a time it's more relevant to talk to Chad again when you have, you know, people that are public figures in faith publicly wrestling with deconstruction, you know, we saw what happened yeah. with Josh Harris with the, mm-hmm. you know, that, that former Hillsong worship leader. It's interesting that that's kind of where this discussion ended up going. It is really where it ended up going. And it was interesting because for all we've talked about, and we have talked a lot about deconstruction on this podcast and uh, at a relevant magazine, uh, Chad kind of spoke to a feeling of, of being uh, in some ways uh, a little bit over it and feeling like, the deconstruction uh, that, that he sees around him had gone, uh, not to put too many words into his mouth, but maybe had gone uh, a little bit overboard here. I asked him if he felt like that was the case, and here's how he responded. I think there's nothing wrong with deconstructing all the stuff that needs to be torn down. And I think uh, the problem is, is that when you're, the way you exercise your faith is just in being a skeptic, you stop you stop having hope and really focusing on what you actually love, which is, uh, which is God and your actual faith that that has brought you life. Like you, you just stop thinking about all the moments in your life where you couldn't explain them and they were magic and you trusted without, without doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's all bad. And I think that zeal is definitely a response to, and over deconstructing and kind of a staying stuck, you know, there's a season for everything. Which was a, it's an interesting take, right? Yeah. The, the idea that to, to try to balance that a little bit. And that's what I really wanted to, to ask him about then is because zeal, uh, when you listen to it, and I hope you do, it's, it's a very, very positive, optimistic, uh, even worshipful album. And so I wondered, like, and I think this is something that a lot of people who are, who have gone through a sort of deconstruction process wonders, how do you do that without losing what, what the foundation of your faith? How do you do that without, uh, without jettisoning, the that that sense of, of of hope and and faith that that you want and that is very very uh, important to a lot of people that people really treasure and value about their faith process while still being uh, going through this process that for many people is very very necessary and I thought his answer was really interesting it's a little bit longer I hope you'll listen to the the whole thing because I thought his insights were uh were were very poignant I'm doing it I'm just a regular you know, brother here in the faith that's trying to do it. So all I can say is for myself, look, I come from a not charismatic background. I come from, you know, being heavily influenced by all of the craziness that was the Marshall world when I was 15 years old, you know, and I was part of that until I was 25. So I come from a world that's like, 
this is the blueprint. You can put your feet on this theology. Like this systematic theology is rock solid, you know, and like all the, all these like 10 steps for this and three steps for that. Like, and the, the older that I'm getting, the more I'm like, wow, I can sit here and either build a whole other worldview and theology and all this stuff, or I can deconstruct my old one and I can kind of sit in a circle in my mind a lot. And I can just listen to podcasts all day and, and really read books all day and talk about this stuff. But for me personally, I don't know that that really is ever what truly builds like the most true faith in my own, like the deepest part of my soul. The truest faith that I've built in my soul has been from uh, tragedy in my life. It's been through really hard kind of trials where I've really needed God. And it's been through the most consistent, deepest times of prayer and, um, yeah. And, and honestly, just like scripture. And so I come at this, like from not a charismatic background going like, man, how many in myself and how many of my friends, it's like, well, we have all these deep questions about God. And it's like, okay, I don't really think I can say to myself, I'm really trying to find God unless I actually, uh, seek him in the bare bones prayer and scripture like every day. Mm. So I think that I, I appreciate how difficult what he's trying to say mm -hmm. there is because he doesn't want to knock the deconstruction process. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't think he's calling people to just like shut up and accept what they were told. But but he also wants to make sure that there is not a it's easy to once you start a process of deconstruction to stay in it and to yeah. lose all interest in trying to reconstruct something valuable. And that's something we've talked about on here, too. And I'm glad that he is is a trying to help people move to another stage of their spiritual journey. And Zeal is a really good soundtrack for doing something just like that. And if you're interested in listening to it, I'd recommend it. It's available anywhere you listen to your music. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Ask the Cast. listening to won't let you that was by more more and it is time for ask the cast that's where we ask you the listener to come at us with a few of your questions things you want to know the, the takes you want to get in case you didn't get enough hot takes from the cast uh, in the first part of this podcast we close it down with a few more of those ready to go uh, so we're going to read a few of the questions that we got just now and hope you guys are ready for this all right here's an interesting one from uh, frank gill uh, Frank asked, if you could be in charge, this one is particularly uh, uh, relevant to you guys there in Florida. If you could be in charge of a new land in Disney World, what would it be and what kind of rides would it have? I, I will answer this one. JD, I'm sure you have strong opinions, but I think the answer is obvious. It's Lime Land. And Lime Land <laughs> is nothing but jumps. And like, you know, you like those bobsled, like, kind of <laughs> racetracks that are wind through. That's what yeah, it is. Course, it's, yeah. it's like a roller derby type of situation too. Nice. Uh, it's Lime Land and it'd be awesome. And you can just smash them to bits. <laughs> so you're suggesting Disney go into a partnership. That would really help with uh, Lime's financial issues that yeah. they're struggling oh, with yeah. right now. Disney's got infinite money and yeah. this theme park might be the way to yeah, go. Throw some of that Marvel money at that, man. Figure out, incorporate them into the MCU. We got one of their heroes is so lame. He's got a bow and arrow. Okay. <laughs> Give one of them like a cool scooter. Like if you gave Hawkeye a scooter, do you know how much more efficient of a superhero he'd be? Like literally he is so lame and he has so little powers that a scooter would dramatically af affect his lethalness. Uh, so I don't know. Figure it out, Disney. <laughs> JD, you have any idea? You're a Disney. You're a bit of a Disney aficionado. Yeah, I, I, I really like Disney. Um, uh, we we try to go a ton, uh, but we try to pick times when no one else is going. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a they're doing a lot of stuff with the parks now, where they're adding a lot more of their like 
IPs into the parks and stuff. Right. Um, so that gets that gets a little tricky. I don't know if they have an IP left that's maybe big enough to to hold to hold an like an entire land since they're not allowed to do like a Marvel one because of right. Universal. But I actually think a neat thing would be like a villains island. Like like so you oh. have like the Haunted Mansion, which is like the one like kind of scary ride, but it's like Disney scary. So it's not really scary. Yeah. It's like a fun scary. I think an entire like themed area where it's just like where all of the villains hang. So you have a bunch of the kind of like like Jafar and Scar sh- sure, and all that you can have it, like, like all them. Maleficent could like kind of be the the queen over the area or whatnot and just just let them have fun with some of their like disney styled or like a halloween town kind of vibe from a nightmare before christmas kind of thing because that's what they do for mickey's not so scary is they kind of take the magic yeah, kingdom yeah. and let all those kind of characters take over and it's a huge success like tons of people around here go all the time it's constantly sold out in full and i just think it could be a fun like counter to the rest of okay. the Disney property to well, have well, that's an like interesting a fun idea. I, I have villains. An, I got an idea too, just how we can improve the whole experience is they introduce dino box into the situation. You get enough, <laughs> you, get, right. you collect enough of them. John MacArthur will yell at you and tell you how wretched you are. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, then, and then you have to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> or John MacArthur yells at you until you acquire enough dino bucks for him to go away. Like you have <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, you yeah. enter into the park. John MacArthur begins immediately you know, berating it's you. It's like an escape room, except, except you have John, the, the escape room is a John MacArthur party and you have to figure out the way to get out because it's like the worst room to be in ever. Give <laughs> me out, please. So help me. You're just waiting for him to tell you to go home so you can leave. Please let me go home, John MacArthur. Yeah, go home. Thank go you. Home. I'm trying. God, please, I there's, there's nothing I want more than to be out of here, John MacArthur. Um, so uh, this one comes to us from uh, uh, his, his Twitter handle is Homie the Clown. Okay. Oh, I, I don't know if that's his Christian name or if uh, this is uh, some, one of those Halloween. I think it's one of those very, Halloween I think fake I'm, names. I'm pretty sure it's a very dated in living color reference. Homie, <laughs> yeah. oh, don't play that. <laughs> no. That would be very dated. I'm not even but uh, but here's a but this is a it's an interesting question with sort of a disappointing caveat. I'll I'll explain. My hall in my dorm is in a prank war. Mm. with a rival hall what can we do to effectively end the war and, and here's the caveat while avoiding any lawsuits or felony charges uh, so the stipulation kind of backs off from the cliff well, there a little I, bit I'll, but let's go ahead I'll, I'll, I can handle this because here's the thing about prank wars they're really fun right and so the key to ending the prank war is ending the fun here's what I think you need to do I think you <laughs> need to have John MacArthur come in <laughs> <laughs> just talk to everyone in the dorm about whatever he wants to talk about. I guarantee you, they're going to be like, this is terrible prank wars. There's no more fun. There's no more fun. This is super lame. But all the fun is ruined. It is ruined by John MacArthur. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Tyler, you know, we haven't, well, you know, we haven't done in a couple weeks. I think we should do, huh? Like we need to ask an editorial question of the week. And I have one. And you have one, you have one right now. Right? I have you one go? in the holster. Let's go. I, I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. All right. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. All right. What do you, what, all right. What do you think? All right. Well, <laughs> we are coming. I feel like we do this every year, but I feel like I want to hear people's timely and or biblical Halloween costume ideas. Yeah, right? it's time. Like, yeah. So, or All Hallows Eve or, or uh, a Harvest Party. Or, or, or what you, Harvest Party. Whatever. Yeah. We want to know, make them timely. Make them about something, <laughs> you know, make them about something happening. You know, be a very scary monster like John MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> figure out figure out a timely, funny costume and send it to us oh, at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. We would like to. We usually put together a little uh, a little listicle on the website. We and do. If, we, if if we get it, if we get some good ones, you might be included. We'll give you credit. Yeah. over on the website as well. If you got some good ideas, yeah, it, we'll we'll transform this into a list. I mean, past ones have been Noah's rock monsters from the Noah movie. Was it was a really great one. Zombie Kevin, uh, zombie Kevin Sorbo <laughs> from the God's Not Dead films. From, I believe I believe the description was in life. <laughs> In life, he tried to change people's brains. 
in death, he'll try to eat them. <laughs> so think, <laughs> think long and hard about these timely really <laughs> Halloween costumes, and we'll let them rip next week. And if you have, if you're really doing them too, send us some pictures. It'd be fun to see uh, if you're if you're really going for it. If you're really committed, I hope yeah. none of you are celebrating Halloween. Obviously, this yeah. is a, right, a, right. a PG thirteen no. podcast, yeah. but but uh, if so, if so, we we take a look. Um, thanks for that. It has, that has been awesome. We had an editorial question. Yeah, this will be, yeah, be a good be one. Good to, this will be a fun one. Be good, to, yeah. be good to hear from the bleachers. Well, and with that, I think it is time to wrap it up. Many thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for joining us. Please check out their album, Zeal, wherever you listen to your music. Also, make sure to check out Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash relevant. And you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash relevant also make sure you check out called uh download that show jesse's doing a really really great job with uh with that content it's it's really if you're if you're if you're interested in the church at all and church leadership it's a it's a great listen and i'm really happy with the guests they've been getting it sounds good jesse you're doing good work out there thanks and thanks to josh and the whole team there i'm i'm I'm, you know been doing behind the scenes but it's those uh leaders that have been gracious enough to kind of share their insight with us that's really made it a great show and uh, make sure when you go over to the to the relevant podcast page, uh, check out daily as well. The relevant daily is uh, is our daily ten minute look at the intersection of faith and culture. What you need to know from your dates. Brought to you by yours truly. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to the magazine. We do a print magazine here at Relevant. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, uh, but it's a good one. We're uh, wrapping up uh, 102 as we speak, and uh, issue 101 is shipping now. If you hurry, you can get your hands on that. And I think that'll do it for us this week. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jalen String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John David Harris. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Please, someone help me. I'm just going to smash the door down. Relevant Podcast Network.